Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the Raptors of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, the Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. Sometimes your dream takes a detour. When faced with a crossroads, that dream either evolves or dies. The difference? Perseverance. Today, I'm proud to be joined by Courtney Samuel, owner of Bodies by Perseverance, which just opened up a new location right here at Stanley Marketplace. Congratulations on the new location. Appreciate Courtney. it. Appreciate it. Uh, you were born right here in Aurora. Born in A-Town, Gateway uh, High School grad. Gateway High. Uh, you didn't play football until you got to high school, though, right? Didn't play high. Yeah, didn't play football until I got to high school. Uh, my parents were big into uh, school and, and uh, mu- musician. I was uh, played the saxophone for about 12 years. Wow. Yeah. Did you have a fitness background or athletic background before playing football? Like I was the uh, tall, bigfoot, skinny kid. <laughs> Had no uh, no athletic ability whatsoever. And then um, it, by my freshman year of high school, I fell, I fell in love with football. So 12 years of playing the saxophone. Yeah. Uh, your parents also put an emphasis on being studious. You were a great very, student. Very, very, I was all about the grades. What was their aspirations for you as a young person? Um, you know, my parents are from the South. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my mom, my mom, I know she graduated valedictorian of her um, high school. Okay. Um, and my, but never went to college. And my dad completed like, I believe a year or two of college. So that was their main focus for us, was their kids to to graduate from college. Junior and senior year of high school, your team goes 0-22, I believe. And you've been doing your research. That, that's gotta be a lot of frustration, a lot of reasons to quit, a lot of tough practices and moments. What was the driving force for you to keep going? Yeah, we, um, you know, the cool story I tell about um, my junior and senior year, we had three NFL prospects come from that wow. team. Okay. We had some talent. Yeah. Um, we just couldn't win. Mm-hmm. We sucked. Um, so, you know, my uh, our running back, Marcus Brigham, good friend of mine, he went to University of Wyoming. Okay. And then um, later played, I think, for the Patriots for a while. But um, me and him just had a, a you know, we, we grew up competing. We ran track together. And just, you know, I found a passion through getting better. You know, I wasn't the greatest athlete coming up and I wanted to be better. So that's where my passion came from. D- despite the record, you were a standout on the field. Mm-hmm. You, you earned a scholarship to North Dakota State University, which is a powerhouse in and of itself. You're doing your thing as an athlete and, and you didn't m- mess around the classroom either. You got a degree in computer science. Correct. Uh, at, at the end of your college run, you moved to Dallas, you signed with an agent. Yep. Uh, you're ranked in the top 25 cornerbacks in the country. What were you being told about your potential NFL draft status at that time? So, you know, my my senior year of college, I never forget uh, Coach Babbage was my head coach. He came out to practice one day. We all, we, every day we had, um, you know, some team out there. Yeah. And uh, they're always with the DBs. And he was like, Court, they're looking at you. And I'm like, me? You know, and he was like, yeah. He said, you know, you, you, you're you checking off all the lists, your, your speed, your height, your size. And I think you could become an NFL prospect. And that's when they clicked, kicked in. I was like, damn, because I never had any dreams of playing in the NFL. I was just trying to get to school for free. Right. Yeah. And, and you kind of broke the mold for cornerbacks in particular. You were taller, yeah, more athletic, but you still had all the speed. So I imagine that made you quite the prospect yeah, in that regard, I was I didn't fit the mold. I probably should have been a safety because I was, you know, two fifteen, two twenty, 
um, but still was the fastest guy on the team. So did you end up going to the draft combine? What was that process like leading up to the draft? So that process, I went to Dallas to train for the combine and then literally worked out for 32 teams. Wow. Worked out, worked out, worked out, went to a few camps, then ended up, my last camp was with um, the Oklahoma Stampeders because I wasn't making an NFL team. And so I was like, let me go try arena ball. Killed the workout, tore my hamstring halfway through the workout. Driving back from Oklahoma, I, uh, this is my, um, my story. I, I got a call from Rick Smith and Rick Smith was the GM of the Broncos at the time. He's like, hey, we're gonna bring you into camp. I'm bringing you and another kid from, um, I believe from Michigan State. He told me, he's like, whoever runs the fast 40 is in camp. Mm. And I started laughing and he was like, why are you laughing? And I was like, coach, I'm driving back from Oklahoma sitting on a bag of ice, just tore my hamstring. And uh, this was his exact words. He says, now or never. Wow. <laughs> but I'm not at my I'm not at my full you know potential my feet running a 40 was I could do that in my sleep yeah and at this time so you know I still went in and I ran um of course I didn't run well um and he was it was he was true to his word he said the guy that runs the fastest 40 is going to be in camp and uh that's when I was like you know I'm done. That's just one small metric. It doesn't display your cover skills. It doesn't display your ability to identify routes or. It was just. Um, that had to be frustrating. Man, it was frustrating, but it was stressful. And I don't yeah. think people understand the type of stress that it is to compete with the world's best athletes. Yeah. Um, it was the most stressful time of my life. And I wasn't, I wasn't happy. Yeah. It was stressful. I, I was having a lot of doubt because I kept getting cut kept getting injured it was just little freak things and i was like man maybe guys telling me this this isn't this isn't for me you got closer than millions of young football players ever do to the big show yeah um yeah which i think for for many would would almost be too much to bear you could taste it you were in those rooms yeah would it have been better to not even get to that point or do you appreciate the opportunity and the perspective that it gave you oh no i i definitely appreciate you know just to be seen as one of the best, you know, I, I tell people for me, my biggest accomplishment was when I got that paper which said I was the 22nd best corner in the nation. And I had to look at the list, right? Because I'm the only Division II yeah. player on that list. And I was like, damn, like, I must be halfway decent. Of thousands <laughs> of defensive back or defensive backs in college, you're in the top 25, I mean, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, so that was my biggest accomplishment coming out of school. And you know, I, I, it was just different for me. Like like I said, I didn't grow up wanting to play in the NFL. Right. My, my dreams were just to go to school. And then it just happened to be that I was good enough. So maybe that's why it wasn't so hard for me just to say I'm good. Your identity wasn't solely tied to being an athlete. No. You had that well-rounded upbringing, playing the saxophone. You also had the computer science degree, yeah. which led you to Sun Microsystems. And, and many would get the cubicle gut right, you know, right out the next 40 years. Yeah. But that just wasn't what your heart wanted, was it? No, that, that's when I, and that's when I think the depression kicked in. Um, I thought I was good. I still wanted to play. Um, had a great job, great opportunity, great office. But I told myself, I was like, I can't do this for the next 40 years. So I can't. I said, this will be a short, very short, boring life. And, you know, some people were content with it. Mm -hmm. But um, I just didn't fit that mold. You know, here I am coming off a football field to sitting in the cubicle, tatted up, you know, going to having to program computers with, I don't want to say nerds, but I was a nerd, but I was with nerds, your typical nerdy guys. Mm -hmm. 
I just didn't fit the mold. I was like, I'm not supposed to be in this room. So you pivot. It's one thing to have an idea. It's another to execute. Yeah. What was the spark to, that led you to be getting Bodies by Perseverance? And what were those early days like? The early days were the spark was, uh, I remember my office overlooked this golf course. Like, you know, as I said, I had a great setup, um, was making good money. And uh, I was sitting in my office one day and I had some assignment to do. And I was like, man, this ain't for me. And I was like, what do I want to do? And uh, the spark was like, but you've been doing your whole life. You've been training people. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm gonna go open up a gym. Then it, it literally went that next weekend and started the process. And your initial space was just a, like a 600 square foot studio, right? 500 square feet. Okay. Yeah, 500 square feet. W was, it, was it difficult to attract clients? How are you able to slowly build the clientele? So that was part of the grind, um, still part of the grind. So that first five years, man, I, um, I would come and see, you know, one-on-one -on -one personal training clients, five, six, seven, I always had an eight o'clock meeting in Broomfield, drive up to Broomfield, work for th two or three hours, come back, train a client at lunchtime, go back to Broomfield, and then come back in the evenings and work to like eight or nine. Wow. I put 70,000 miles on a car in one year. Wow. When I say I was on the grind, I was yeah. on the grind, but that's what it takes in order to, a lot of these traders think, because you open up a gym, it's gonna come and you can quit You know all your obligations. I had bills, I had a mortgage. And you, you have to be, as I tell people, there was going to be a, come, a time where you're forced out. But I said, I just didn't jump off boat. I still kept my job and I did as much as I possibly could. I didn't sleep much. You didn't have a traditional business background, though, necessarily. Was it difficult navigating those waters of, of starting a business and figuring out how, how to manage all it, that? It was. And so I before I opened up the gym, I, I got an internship at um, Better Bodies. Okay and kind of learn the ins and outs of the business, right? I know how to train people, that's that's easy, but I needed to know how to acquire clients, um, all the processes behind the gym. So I did that for a year. You've uh, grown from from two employees to, to more than 10 now. You have mm -hmm. a strong roster of coaches and, and your partner in business is your partner in life as well. Yeah. How, how, did, you, how did you meet your wife and how did the, the business relationship <laughs> blossom? My partner in crime, that's why I call her, yeah. uh, Jennifer, uh, love of my life. You know, true story, man. First time we went on a date, we didn't like each other. Okay. I was still, and so she's, um, she was a, a Broncos cheerleader. Okay. And so I was at the end of still trying to make a roster. And I think she had been in her first year and we, you know, somebody hooked us up on a date and uh, we went on a date. It was at Davel. I'll never forget. And I was like, I'm never going to touch to that girl again. Yeah. Just had no interest kind of did and um, you know we just kept running into each other running into the same circle and uh, one night man serendipitous huh serendipitous <laughs> got her on the dance floor and it was a wrap all right <laughs> all right yeah. found a vibe on the dance floor Sorry, that vibe of the dance floor yeah <laughs> and now you have a beautiful family yes. your business partners how has that dynamic been growing and building this you know it's an empire that you're starting to build yeah you know we're we're as I tell my kids um I want to leave a legacy. People have their own aspects that are what they do, but our legacy needs to be health and wellness mm -hmm. and service. And uh, that's that's what we're here trying to do. You know, we have two gyms right now and um, plans for 10. You know, speaking of that that wellness and fitness journey, you're, you offer a diversity of, of programs. What's the thought process behind deciding the classes and the and the tracks that you offer? Well, our approach to fitness is is different and um, different than most gyms in Colorado. Yeah. We're not CrossFit. We're not a high intensity gym. You know, and that's that's 
the two aspects that you mainly see. People are like, oh, you, you do CrossFit. I'm like, nah, we're not CrossFit. Oh, it's a hit class. No, we're not a hit class. Um, our classes are made up of what I was brought through. We train like athletes. Mm -hmm. Our coach would bring 100 football players into a gym. Hey, DBs over here, receivers over there, quarterbacks over here, circle through, weight training workout, functional training, balance, strength, and everybody's gonna do the same workout. Music's blasting, energy's great, and we are pushing each other as a team. So that's our that's what best describes us. So you create that feeling of community. So oh, yeah. you're not on an island, you yeah. know, on your fitness journey. You're with a group of like minded people that are also trying to get their grind in. Yeah, trying to push, man. That that energy we're we're all trying to reach a common goal. And if you find the right teammates, right, that push you harder, you're gonna get there faster. So that's just the environment we try to create. Philosophically, what it, what's your thought on like CrossFit? You know, you see these explosive movements, but maybe not always with the best form. You know, does that make you cringe, or is it one of those things where like whatever works for you works for you? I'm not gonna knock anybody because it okay. works for them. Yeah, um, it's just not for me. Okay, and that's just their thing. Yeah, and that's why I'm gonna put it. And there's so many people who need their thing. Yeah, um, and I'm here to do our thing for those who want our thing. So teach their own. There are so many options when it comes to fitness from corporate gyms and rec centers and apps at home and, and video programs, personal trainers. Uh, what sets body bi Bodies by Perseverance apart from other fitness programs in your view? The, the fact that we function on strength, balance, and stability. So it's just not about the aesthetic piece, which a lot of people want to, I always say, everybody wants to look better naked, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but I also want you to be able to function as you turn into a growing adult. I also want you to be able to stand on a single leg um, to build your endurance. So we just add all those elements. You know, it's just not a aesthetic bodybuilding gym. Our people can function, we can go out and run. You know, a lot of my class who are former athletes who come in that train with us, they're like, man, this is just like college. I said, exactly. That's the environment I want. We're coaches, we're not trainers. There's an element of that journey that is also mindset. Yeah. How do you work with clients to develop that positive mindset in their journey? Because it's really a big part of that puzzle. Man, mindset is um, mindset is everything. You know, um, one of my one of my personal goals is personal excellence this year. Right. I, I follow this guy um, Andy Fricelli. A lot of people probably heard of him because of the seventy five hard challenge. Okay. Um, he's big on mindset and mindset builds discipline or discipline helps mindset. And for us, it's just coming in and getting it done. Just being a better person, you know? Yeah. I don't want to work out every day, but you know what? I have people who are depending on me. I have my kids who, who, who need to get to college. So there's just those things and that discipline just builds up over time and building your bricks every day. So it's also about creating habits that you can't get away from, right? Because there's not always that that strength to get up in the morning and, and get it done. But if it's built into your habits, yeah, you, you almost feel like you haven't fulfilled your day if you haven't done it. And I think we need more of that. Yeah. You know, there's too many people still trying to party, live that young life. And I'm like, man, that that's going to get you nowhere. Mm -hmm. We need we need us adults to show these younger guys like, hey, this is how you age. And this is how I'm still at 47 able to be 20 year olds in my classes. Yeah. Um, and at 47, I'm still, I feel great. Probably look the best I've ever looked in my life. And you can do it. 
It's not going to happen overnight, though. So you can have the positive mindset, you can have the discipline, you can have the willpower, but you still need the framework for success. How do you approach goal setting with your clients? So when we approach goal sets with our clients, just as normal as any gym should, right? We set, we do your pre-testing. Um, and what's your goal? You know, some people say, hey, I just want to be able to run a mile under seven minutes. Okay, let's let's figure out how to do that. Like I said, the biggest one I get is I want to look better naked. Right. Let's get there. Um, I want to drop body fat. And so we set those goals. We do check-ins um, and keep you accountable to that. And um, guarantee that every workout will, will will be one of the hardest workouts of your life. What's the cliche? Abs are made in the kitchen. Okay. Right. How do you integrate that nutritional guidance into your programming? Macros. Macros, you know, macros work. Um, you know, one of the longest standing diet programs out there is uh, Jenny Craig. Mm -hmm. Everybody's been through Jenny Craig or um, what's the other popular one? Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers. Yeah. It's all macro based, right? You can, there's no food restrictions. Just hit this amount of protein, carbs, and fats. And it works. And that's the same approach that most bodybuilders use. So do you use, I mean, not not that we're going to do a commercial forum, but do you use an app to track your macros or okay. is it just ingrained? Like, you know, now. No, you have to, you have to be that structured. Yeah. And that's part of the discipline of just journaling. You know, mm -hmm. the MyFitnessPal is probably one of the most famous journals out there that you can just log on your phone and let you know what, exactly what you're eating. Uh, I, I found, though, that with MyFitnessPal, sometimes... There's variances oh, yeah. in tracking your macros. So the, you you really have to kind of go above and beyond to educate yourself and almost become a nerd in that regard if you're really trying to be serious. But why not educate yourself on the most important thing? Yeah. That's your body. And I imagine you adjust the macros based on the goals of the clients. Yeah. If they're trying to put on weight, if they're trying to lose weight, if they're trying to bulk up or whatever, you, whatever their goal is. You probably have formulas in, in mind. And, that's, and our formulas are just built up through our experiences, you know, things that I've went through in my life and my formula. So every every coach has a different approach. Um, this is just the one I use for my clients. So you're part coach, you're also kind of part scientist, part psychologist to a degree. Oh, yeah. how, do you, how do you manage a client that may have a setback? Maybe they, they, they have an injury or something. What, what strategies do you implement to help keep your folks on track Persever and motivated? Perseverance. Yeah. You know, I, that's my big push. You know, life is, um, I love to say, you know, you always pray in your peaks and you're humble or humbling your peaks and you pray in your lows. And that's kind of how life is. And you just got to keep going. And so everybody's going to have a setback. Everybody's going to have an injury. Everybody, they, their kids going to drive them crazy. Something's always going to happen. There's always going to be something there. And, the, and I try to teach them like, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's how you know you're moving in the right direction. If life is too easy, then you're, it's, you're not doing nothing. Yeah, something's not yeah. Something's not firing. Yeah. Uh, we all love those before and after photos of a fitness success story, although the beauty of growth and change comes from the journey. Could you share a success story or two of clients who have achieved significant results through Bodies by Perseverance that really kind of reaffirm your mission? I So many. Um, so many. But I have, um, I'll, I'll give the picture of this guy, uh, my boy Jamar. So Jamar comes in, true story, just moved here from Vegas. He's probably five, six, five, seven, 300 pounds. Mm. Afro comes in the gym, smell like weed. <laughs> looks like, looks like the picture. He looks like a little mini ice cube. All right. Hey dog, I want to change my life. I was like, how are we going to do this? He's like, I'm, I'm committed. We took Jamar. I mean, this is probably our most, one of our most famous transitions or transformations from a 300 pound weed smoking Afro guy to he did a uh, bodybuilding show. Wow. Shredded cut. 
he literally looked like a different man. Wow. So that's the ones that I love. And then the ones that I even love more is the ones we take through those transformations and stay. Mm-hmm. You know, most people yo-yo up oh, transformations. So they want to go back to old habits. And Jamar's gone back to some old habits. Um, but the ones that come and they and and they stay true to themselves and a year or two later, I'm still seeing them and it, it clicked. That slippage is so easy, though, because oh, easy. you give yourself just a little bit of leeway, a little bit of slack. And next thing you know, it's been six months, Back to 30 pounds. And you're like, oh, man, I've just given up all this progress that I've made. Yeah, uh, it, it really is. It, once in a while, it's OK to treat yourself or slip back a little bit. But you Definitely. can't you can't have loss. You can't pile up losses. Right. You got to. Your nutrition is 99% of the game. Yeah. And that's what most people don't understand. They want to come in. They want to sweat. Oh, I worked out hard, so I'm going to eat a donut. Mm-hmm. Don't work like that. Yeah. That's like nutrition is 99% of the game. And those who understand that, it clicks. You can't out-train a bad diet. You cannot. You cannot out-work your diet. Sup- supplements are, are a polarizing subject in the world of fitness. Yeah. Many, many aren't approved or regulated by the FDA. Some make grandiose claims and present you know, unproven pseudoscience. Or, or they're just products that are filled with marketing, low quality or ineffective ingredients. Yet I imagine there are some that are legitimate and helpful. Yep. What's your stance on the supplement industry overall? And are, are there products that, that you trust and take and recommend for your clients? Definitely, I mean, but I always, I always tell people they are a supplement and they're like, it's a supplement to your diet. Right. So you take supplements when you can't get the right macros in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the biggest one, the biggest supplement that I take is protein powder, of course. I just can't get, I can't eat enough protein. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your daily vitamins, you, you definitely need those as you get older. Um, and that's really it. You know, as I tell, you know, the big thing with men going on right now is testosterone replacement. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. As you get older, men's testosterone naturally decreases. That's why you see a lot of men, older men, overweight, they're depressed. Um, and that's a game changer right now for young, for men. Um, it's same thing for women with their hormones and they're going through menopause. That's a game changer for them too. So there's a lot of supplements out there. I definitely would say talk to your doctor. Yeah. Um, I always tell people we need to get our blood work done more often because we, we need to know what's going on internally and that's the only way. And just find what you're deficient in. And then your doctor, you know, most people have vitamin D deficiency. You need to take a vitamin D supplement for that. Do you provide supplement guidance to your clients? I will suggest, um, you know, there's a couple supplements that I um, that I really like. It's funny, that's that's what I think my next venture is gonna be. I really wanna dive into the supplement market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a, there's a need for some things that I wanna see out there, but there's great supplement companies. You've also done some competing as a bodybuilder, is that correct? A lot. You've been, you've been in some shows? I, I, I'm, I'm training right now. Okay. I'm training right now, getting ready for, um, I've been competing since early 2009. I think I did my first show. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been quite a few. So it's an impressive sport. It puts real demands on the body. Yeah. I can't help but think of Ronnie Coleman at the moment. <laughs> uh, he's in a tough spot, but he says he doesn't have any regrets. He would do it all again in a heartbeat. How does it feel competing in that sport? And is that lifestyle sustainable and healthy long term? Well, I think people need to know and understand about bodybuilding. There's 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 two sides to bodybuilding. There's the natural side and there's the unnatural side. Mm-hmm. And the freaks of the world, you know, the Ronnie Coleman's, those guys are playing with life and death, right? Yep. 
the stuff that they're putting in their bodies to put that size on this is why a lot of them are dying early a lot of them you know Roddy Coleman can't even walk right yeah, now it's, it's sad to see yeah I mean he looks like a totally different person and it's a rented suit you know as soon as you get off of that stuff you go back to looking just like a normal human mm -hmm. versus um, a natural bodybuilder mm -hmm. so I'm a two-time natural pro I mean we don't we get drug tested blood tested we don't do steroids some supplements are allowed but none of the hardcore stuff those are the guys who look more athletic, um, who are able to carry that on. And, you know, year, year in, year out, they kind of look the same. Mm -hmm. So th there's just two sides of it. So I'm a big believer in staying natural. But if you want to compete in the, you know, NPC and the unnatural leagues, in order to compete, man, I'm, you, you have to do steroids. It's, it's that real. How do you feel about that as, as, as somebody in the fitness world where, you know, it went from aesthetics to size? To just being freakish, like the the guys in in Arnold's era, which by the way, you know, obviously they were they were doing what they did, yeah. but they were minuscule in comparison to the Phil Heaths yeah. of the world. Not not to the yeah, I mean it's crazy right now what the, some of these guys are doing. It's not it's not for me. Yeah, and I just tell people that it's not. There's there's guys if you are into that, there's guys I can recommend to, for you to train with. It's just not my thing. And. Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing about it, too, everybody wants to look like that, but they don't understand, man. Only the top five guys in the world mm -hmm. are able to make a living from that. Right. You spend, you will spend more money on steroids than you will make. Yeah, absolutely. And so it makes no sense unless you have the, you know, genetic ability, which you have to be born with some genetics. Like Phil Heath is called the gift because he has some crazy ass genetics. Right. On top of all that other stuff will make you, you know, Mr. Olympia. But, you know, that's I think it's to be top five in the world. Bodybuilding is harder than making the NFL. Well, and, and not even, you know, what you're spending on on those other things. You're, yeah. The, what you're spending on food. I saw an interview with Jay Cutler. He said he would spend fifty thousand dollars a year just on food, you know, eating seven, eight meals a day, yeah. high quality proteins every yeah. single day. Like it's not for the faint of heart. It's not, you know, and, and bodybuilding is not for everybody. But um you know, respect to any bodybuilder because it does show a different level mm -hmm. of discipline. Regardless if you're on steroids or not, you have to have a certain level of discipline that most humans don't have. There's a, a, a big push on social media with fitness influencers, especially in that space. I can't help but think of guys like C.T. Fletcher, Galley yeah. Muscle, and guys like that who have had their own health things that have come up through through their lifestyle. What is your take on how social media has, in, in a lack of a better term, influenced the fitness industry? Uh, bodybuilding in particular. I just wish social media would show more, you know, most social media always shows the good, right? They see these people and they're like, oh, their body looks great. Most of those people do not look like that year round. They're taking those pictures and videos either pre-comp or post-comp, so they look their best. Um, and that's what I don't like. It needs to show a more realistic approach to like, hey, this is, this is how I look, yeah, before I do a show, and this is how I look in off season. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put a little more body fat on, but you can still maintain a low body fat. But you know, unfortunately, social media is all about you know six pack and abs and being shredded. And I can guarantee nobody walks around year round with six pack abs. It's not comfortable. It's not sustainable. It's a dehydrated look for the most it's, part. It's not healthy. Yeah. It's this when you're that low in body fat, it's not healthy. So when you go to your website, you're you're looking, you know, you're seeing this intensity. You see people in immaculate shape, which could be intimidating to mm -hmm. a newbie. What, what advice would you give somebody who's just now starting out on their fitness journey? Start, you know, start. 
I, our, our big model is, and we try to show all of the demographics that come. I mean, we take them, you know, old Biggie saying eight to 80, dumb, crippled and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's our clientele. You yeah. will find, I mean, our oldest client right now is 74. Okay. Um, and this guy kills it. He'll come in and work out with, you know, a Broncos cheerleader ne right next to him who could be his granddaughter and be her in a workout. Yeah. Um, we have some people who are morbidly obese. I have women that are literally in the gym right now who are doomed to have a baby in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's we're all over the place. Then, and that's what I love because our gym can help everybody. On, on the opposite side of that spectrum, you know, how can people entering middle age or, or beyond that not only maintain a standard of fitness but maybe even improve on it? You can't. You know, the big thing with weight training is to to the setbacks of osteoporosis, right? Mm -hmm. Helps strengthen your bones. You just got to start. My biggest advice to anybody comes in and I tell them, I said, do what you can do. Yeah. If you can't do more, tap out, say, hey, I'm good, coach. But build up those bricks and you'll get stronger. You'll get faster. And, and in due time, you'll be you'll you'll be able to keep up with the class. And, and it's a very individual thing to know what your limits are <laughs> versus yeah, somebody can else. you push back past your discomfort? Yeah. Yeah. Like you got to find the difference between those two because you have to push past your discomfort, but you also got to know your limits, right? That's being a good coach. You know, yeah. a coach is going to push you to the edge, but not over the edge. Yeah. That's that's the the discipline and what we've learned, and that's why most of my coaches are ex athletes. Yeah. Because they understand that they understand. Like my coach, my you might think he's trying to kill you, but he's not really trying to kill you. He's just trying to push you to another level. Can I do a little rapid fire session on your fitness philosophy on some things? Yeah. These are some polarizing subjects within the fitness community. And you're going to say it depends on a lot of these, I imagine. But I just want to go okay. rapid fire on this. All right. Rapid fire. Fasted or fueled cardio? Fasted. Steady state or hit cardio? Steady state. Uh, high volume, lower weight or low volume, higher weight? Higher volume. Uh, full body splits or one body part per day? One body part. Train to failure or not? Yes. Compound moves or muscle isolation? Muscle isolation. I'm writing down notes right now. Is a calorie a calorie regardless or do macros matter? You've kind of already touched it. Macros matter. <laughs> All calories are not created equal. Uh, you just opened up this amazing location right here at Stanley Marketplace. What, what was the allure of setting up shop here? It, it's just family. The, the the amount of kids. This, this facility is really geared towards um, housewives and young athletes. And so it's um, it was about a third of the size um than our downtown gym. Mm -hmm. It's just a different environment, Stanley. Uh, looking looking towards the future, you know, what are your goals and aspirations for for Bodies by Perseverance? And how do you plan to continue evolving and improving your services? So, um, and you know, our goal is by 2025 to open up a, a third gym down south. And then I wanna start branching out out of state after that. So, you know, the, the, the five-year plan is to have three gyms um, running efficiently and, you know, making money in Colorado. 10-year plan is to have another five out of state. Um, retirement plan is to uh, get bought out. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, we wish you all the best of luck in that. Courtney Samuel, you're a gym. We're, you're an Aurora native, and we wish you all the best in everything that you do. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. That was Courtney Samuel, owner of Bodies by Perseverance. Make sure you visit their new location at Stanley Marketplace at 2501 Dallas Street in Aurora. Follow along on social media at MyBBP. Visit them online at MyBBP.com. Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners 
partners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75 plus hotel properties with 13,500 plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250 plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.